Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Kindled. I have been on a break for the month of December, so even though it's December 30th, I decided to come back with um, a new episode for you because it is perfectly themed for entering the new year and all of your practical mom duties uh, because it's about organization. And I know after the holidays every single year, I'm always feeling like I want to purge my entire house and clean everything up. And I think this conversation with Morgan Tyree will be really grace-filled and encouraging and also just give you some practical tips for how to do that coming into a new year. Um, before we get into that, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update because it's been some months since you have actually heard from me real time in the sense that um, I record my episodes ahead of time. And so I have not recorded. I've recorded only one episode since I had my baby, even though she is two months old now. Um, her name is Marigold Bell, and she was born November 1st. 2019. So she's going to be two months old on New Year's Day, which is just mind-blowingly crazy. And I can't believe she's been with us two months. It feels simultaneously shorter and longer. I'm sure many of you understand that crazy uh, dichotomy of how how that can be. But um, as you can hear, my voice is out. I have um, had just some sinus stuff over the holidays, which, you know, of course, that stuff always seems to hit right at the worst time. Um, and to be honest, going into 2020, I am feeling a little, um, ill-prepared. I'm feeling like, how can I continue at the pace that I have been on, um, with life, with the podcast, with my business and web design, uh, now that I have three kids, now that my husband is back to work, the holidays are over, that kind of weird, strange rhythm that sets in, um, for the holidays is going back to normal. Uh, it, it's a little bit of an overwhelming feeling like I am trying to hold on tight to my seat on a roller coaster and I don't know if I can hold myself to the seat over the next hill. That's kind of how I feel. Um, and I have asked the question, can I continue at the pace that I've been at with the podcast? And um, as I'm recording this, actually on Monday morning, Um, The podcast is about to hit 100,000 downloads, and we launched not two years ago. So that is, uh, I guess, just a praise God moment for me of look at what he has done, because I have had very little to do with the success of the podcast, um, to be honest. He has has brought the harvest, in a sense, in, in whatever numbers there are to show. And so that means that as this airs, we will definitely hit a hundred thousand um, after I click publish, which is crazy and also a little um, fear-inducing for me because it's like, like I said, can I continue at this pace? Can I keep it up? Am I, you know, am I capable? I feel like sometimes I am, you know, as the mom um, and as someone who is has kind of juggling multiple hats of being an entrepreneur and podcaster and a mom of three, kind of feel like I'm fighting on the front lines alone in a sense. Um, I'm not really alone. My husband's awesome. But I know that you guys understand that feeling, you know, kind of that Monday morning feeling of like, okay, here we go again. And this morning I um, opened up my Bible app on my phone. Um, I was in a place I couldn't actually read the physical Bible, but opened it up and I had been previously reading in Isaiah 30. So I went down to 31, and there's just a verse that I want to share with you. Going into the new year, if you are feeling the same way that I'm feeling, Isaiah 31, 1 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. And yet he is wise and brings disaster. He does not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the helpers of those who work iniquity. The Egyptians are man and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble and he who is helped will fall and they will all perish together. And I just um, love the picture there because I think 
uh, I have an Egypt that I go back to for strength and for resolve and for encouragement. I have that place that was, you know, that was the, the idol factory of my heart and what, whatever that might be for you. I know you have one too. We all kind of have an Egypt in the sense of where has God taken us out of and proven himself faithful and we keep turning back and saying, it was better when I was back there. I just want to go back where I had food and water and comfort, but we forget that we were actually a slave. So I want to challenge you to think about as you are picturing and, and envisioning yourself fighting on those front lines, think about yourself not fighting. The, the truth is that you are not fighting alone. The truth is that that is a lie from the enemy and that God is actually the one who goes before us, and he always has, and he has both delivered us from that place of slavery and continues to call us up and out of it as we make big and small decisions every day that um, might draw us away from him or towards him. And um, in the next section of verses, in verse 4, it gives this picture of the Lord as a young lion growling over his prey, that when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted by their noise. So the the Lord of hosts will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill, it says. He will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. Um, and I just love that vision of God as the young lion fighting for his prey because he a young lion, I mean, nothing is going to take what he aims to to have for himself, right? I mean, shepherds are not going to scare off a lion. And um, nothing is going to scare off God. No, no challenge that I am facing, no hill that it feels that I am climbing on my own um, can actually cause him to leave me alone. He will not leave. He cannot leave. He um, he is fighting for me and he is leading me into battle. And so and, and then he's fighting. He's he's holding up my arms, actually, as as I am saying, I'm too weak. I can't I can't do this. Maybe I don't know how to run a podcast with three kids or I don't know how to um, do life in this new season that I am that I find myself in. He is the one who goes before me and behind me and um, and fights those battles, and he will not lose. So I just wanted to share that that is the confidence and the strength that we can go into this new year with. Um, maybe you're not feeling strong, and maybe you're not feeling resolute, and you're not sensing clarity with uh, what your word of the year will be or how you will um, go into this new year. But more important than any of those things and you having having clarity and having resolve in those areas, though God may provide it, more importantly, I think, is is for us to look to him and to look at what he has said he will do and to take to heart that reminder not to go back to Egypt to rely on those horses that are just flesh and not of the spirit, but rather to look to the Holy One of Israel and consult the Lord. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my that's my word. As you go into 2020, uh, I, I know I'm going to need that reminder daily, and um, I trust that God will uh, continue to point me back to my only source of hope, even when I get distracted and think that other things might provide some sort of hope for me. So I hope that's encouraging you guys. Thanks for letting me share that um, before getting into this episode. But uh, now I want to share with you my conversation with Morgan Tyree. Hi, Morgan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. So I found you, of course, I know this gets, this gets old of uh, hearing this, but I did find you on Instagram through a friend, mutual friend that we have, Kristen Hatton, who is awesome. And so I instantly, of course, loved your feed as a, as a mom with little kids and a crazy household, just looking at all of your suggestions has been really fun and helpful. Oh, well, thank you. I love that Kristen connected us. That's cool. Yeah. So tell uh, listeners who you are and what you do. Okay. So I'm Morgan Tyree. I live in Northern Colorado and I have three children. They are now all teenagers. So we actually 
have our oldest leaving for college in just a few weeks. So that's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. As far as work, I ha- have my own business. I have a professional organizing company here in Fort Collins. I also teach fitness classes. That's kind of always been my hobby job. And then I've recently added writer slash author to my titles, I guess. So I have yeah. a book coming out uh, later this month too. So the week of school starting is my book launch week too. So let's just do it all, all in one. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm juggling these days. That is, that is a lot. That's going to be a busy, busy fall for you. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's going to be fun, but I'm like, all right, I got to gear up for this. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking of kids going to college, I mean, my, I'm thinking a lot about school because I actually have my first kid going into kindergarten next fall, not even this fall, a year from now, but I already am starting to feel some anxiety about like, oh my gosh, like it's yeah. beginning. And I know it's just going to fly because everybody says it does. So it does. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of fun, but it does fly by. I mean, I feel like I'm blinking and she's graduating, but, or she's graduated, but it has been so fun. So it is fun yeah. to see them spreading their wings. So I'm excited mostly, but it'll yeah. be sad. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, so what does your, your work look like? You mentioned that you have your own business doing, you know, organization and, and all that, but what does that, what does that really mean? Like, how do you serve clients and what does that look like? So it has always been a dream of mine to own my own business. And it's interesting. I feel like the things I've worked on in previous jobs have all moved me to this direction of where I'm at now. So when we relocated to Colorado, it was really the right time to launch the business. And so I primarily work with homeowners and I go into their homes and help them with really what they want to get, you know, more organized. One, one thing we do typically in the beginning is we do a consultation and we kind of go over the priority items and I help kind of focus what we're going to work on. So Mm -hmm. typically I'm working side by side with the client and really helping them assess and declutter and purge and then setting up systems and providing homework as, as required. So the piece that I love about it the most is it's very relational. I get to really know people and know their families. There's a huge trust component to let someone come in your home and and be vulnerable with like, you know, a lot of times in the consult, there's a lot of emotion because they've kind of, a lot of clients have sort of hit a wall. So by, I, by no means I'm a counselor, but I feel like God's given me a gift of really relating well to all kinds of people and coming in kind of as a calming, a calming sense and just coming alongside them. I mean, really what a professional organizer does is they're an accountability person for you. They, they come in and, you know, we come in and we help coach you, but we're really just helping you block out that time to focus on getting things more organized. Yeah. Cause it's so overwhelming. I mean, you know, I, I'm one of those people that I will, I need to be in the mood. I need to like get the energy for it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to tackle the basement, you know, or whatever it, it may be at the time. And it's just, when you run out of steam, it's like, okay, I want to be done, you know? And it's so hard to like see it through if you're not done in those three or four hours that you commit on a weeknight or a weekend you know, I mean, it's like, man, those yeah. multi-day projects can really be hard to, to finish yeah. on your own. And it usually gets worse before it gets better, which I think yes. is often the discouraging part. And then a lot of times when you go to start working on a project, then other parts of the house start unraveling because, you know, mm-hmm. you've your attention. So it's a, you know, it is, I completely understand why people want assistance and help is they've just, yeah. you know, they need that accountability and they want to help focus it. And so I get to help them move from being overwhelmed to hopefully, you know, feeling more calm yeah. and like they have some good systems in place. So it's really fun. I love it. That's awesome. I wish you were in Kansas city. Cause I, yeah. I have thought about that several times, like having, what would it look like to hire someone and how would they help me or, uh, and my, my biggest fear, this actually might be something that you hear all the time is like, they'll be too hardcore for me. And then I won't think I'll be like, no, I, and then it'll be like an episode of hoarders on HGTV where they're like, you have to get, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. No. but I'm really not a hoarder. I love throwing sure. stuff away, but oh, I, yeah. I think you're just, it, it is so emotional because we do get attached to our stuff and whether it's, it's often like, you know, those, the clothes that you're like, well, but I think after I have mm-hmm. the baby or after I lose the weight, then I'm going to wear these again. Or yeah. I spent good money on these toys and I think they'll like them again. If I just, you know, hide them and just recycle through different, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Dude, oh yeah. It's a lot of layers. So hard. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in things, but at the, at the same time, one of my favorite things that my mom and my grandma both say they've, you know, they kind of raised me in the tradition of like garage sailing and antiquing. And mm-hmm. so like gathering, hunting and gathering and finding is kind of in my blood, which is great and, and fun, but it also does leave you with 
mementos and things from the past that you may not even be using anymore or want, but you still feel right. like a, an emotional tie to like, oh, but but this is from that thing or this is that special piece. And my mom says, it's just stuff. She mm-hmm. says, it's just stuff. You can always get more. And like, she's helped me to even be oh, less good. emotional about things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really, well, it sounds like she's a good accountability for you, which I think is really helpful. Cause I think we all have different emotional ties in different areas, you know, cause for you, it might be things you've thrifted or, you know, searched for, but for someone else, it could be their closet or it could be mm-hmm. artwork or whatever. So it's knowing kind of what you need help with. That's really good. Yeah. The other question I want to ask you to, to kind of launch the, into the conversation is where are you seeing God's grace in your life? Mm, that's good. I have been in all transparency. It's been a, a tough last month as far as my workload. And the irony is that I'm, you know, releasing a book on time management. And it's really not that I haven't been managing it well. I just didn't necessarily know what was coming down the pipeline. So I feel like the grace is that I'm just taking the faithful steps. And he gave me the word um, last fall, kind of my, you know, word for the year is uh, that he put on my heart was rely because I can tend to, um, you know, be a doer and kind of take charge type of person, which is great. But I think I can easily kind of slide into thinking it's all on me instead of realizing that he's put me where he's put me. And if I just take my faithful steps, I can kind of relax a little and let him carry me. So that's definitely where I'm feeling the grace. And I even this morning was taking out the garbage cans and like, it kind of came in my mind again, because I just had some stuff yesterday. I was like, you know, Lord, rely, I'm relying on you. I'm just going to keep doing what you've called me to do. So that would definitely be where I'm at right now. Good. So tell me about kind of your personal philosophy of organization, if you have such a thing. Like what, how do you approach Mm -hmm. it? How would you kind of talk about it with someone who's like, okay, I'm new to this. What do I need to know? Yeah. Okay. And I wanted to kind of address too, when you mentioned earlier about having someone come into your home, okay, I would say my philosophy is I would never want to come in and be too hard on someone. You know, I, I think there's a fine line between accountability and then also kind of coming alongside someone. So I would just say for anyone that would ever want to look at having a professional organizer, you know, look for someone that you have a good fit with. That would be first and foremost. And in general, all the professional organizers I know are super kind and understanding and none of us are trying to judge. We are just honestly yeah. have a heart to help, you know, so that's just kind of a side note. So it's definitely part of my philosophy. I have a background in human resources and I've worked with people very much one-on-one and lots of coaching and training. So my approach is I want to be personable and then I want to be practical as far as I like the pretty, but I mean, honestly, most of us need a lot more practical than we do pretty, you know, there's a piece for pretty, but I, my general philosophy, and I will say this all the time to clients is we want your house to feel more like a kindergarten classroom, not in style, but in this sense, like if someone walks in your home, they can kind of quickly maybe hang up their coat or they know where the shoes go or, and I'm specifically thinking more family members, but even if it's outsiders that are coming in, if you create some systems, you know, for where the mail goes or different things, it's going to make that the, the daily flow that much easier. So in other words, organizing does not need to be complicated. You know, we see lots of Pinterest pretty pictures and, and all of that's great. And that's kind of the more aesthetic side of it. But the true heart of organization is functionality. It's knowing, you know, it's knowing where things are and then being able to find them. And so that is really what most of us need the most help with. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I mean, you said a kindergarten classroom, like I, I don't have a kindergartner yet, but my kids do go to preschool and it's, it is very systematic. Like when they walk in the room, the teacher gives them a little, you know, antibacterial <laughs> liquid for their mm-hmm. hand, a little wine in your yeah. jacket here, grab your floor, put your folder in the little cubby. You know, it's like just very, you know, it has to be systematic with that many young, you know, crazy kids running around and you've got two teachers, mm-hmm. but we don't, yeah. I, I've never thought of approaching my house that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I approach mm-hmm. it as like, well, what do I like or what do I want or what makes sense to me? But it may not actually be serving the other people in the house. <laughs> yeah. And making it easy for them to help maintain it. Because I think that's the struggle we have as moms is that a lot of the maintenance can fall on our shoulders inadvertently or <laughs> for whatever reason. And so, you know, really by setting up a system that's as fluid or can work well with most people is going to be only helpful for you as mom. Right. And if you can imagine a kindergarten classroom without those systems, like it'd be crazy, but I think we don't take that functionality into our homes. You know, we mm-hmm. kind of 
move into a house and don't set up an entryway system or we don't set up a place for the jackets or, you know, we don't, we don't think of those things necessarily. And I'm not saying people don't, but I'm saying a lot of times that's the struggle is there's maybe there's like a halfway system set up or a a system that's kind of working, but it's not truly working. So, you know, I think that is just a really good way to step back and say, okay, you know, there's pieces that are working probably, but there's pieces that could probably be adjusted and work even better and more. Yeah. That's something that I love is like finding, noticing the problem and then being like, okay, I'm not going to just allow this to just continue to be a problem. I'm going to find a solution. So we had that entryway situation in our big entry and the shoe, like, I don't even remember what we used to have. It, it was like a bench. And then I think shoes just piled up on it. And I was like, this isn't mm-hmm. working because, you know, my daughters wear, they have very specific tastes for different days and they have four different pairs of shoes that they might want. And so where do I put all the, like, they're not making it back to the bedroom. They're just sitting on the bench. So I finally like sold that bench and bought a new one with two big drawers. And I have two girls right now. And so they each have their own drawer with full of shoes so they can just pick. And then it's their job to put their shoes away when we get home. And it's like that one thing has solved a problem that I almost forgot we had, you know, because it's just not an issue anymore. That's so, and that's a perfect example. It doesn't have to be something super fancy, but just it's simple. And I'm a big fan of allowing people to toss, you know, as far as your daughters can just kind of throw them in the drawer. I mean, not obviously forcefully, but it's like, there are certain personality types that are more detailed and they're going to want to lay their shoes down, you know, in order or whatever. And there's a lot of personality types that would never think to do that. So we need to, you know, we need to be realistic about what can be done on a regular daily basis, you know? Oh yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mess in there, but there's shoes and they're not like, you know, facing me on the floor or whatever. So yeah. Win, win. Love it. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pick your battles. So what do you feel like we as women can get wrong when it comes to approaching our homes and starting to to think about like, I want to get organized, where do you see people go wrong in that pursuit? Yeah. I think the common challenge that I see is that it's like you look at the house as a whole and you want it, you want everything to be organized. Mm -hmm. And while that is, is definitely a good big picture goal, it's probably not realistic. You know what I mean? To like, okay, we're going to get it done on Saturday because depending on your home is leaving, but it disorganization or not having systems, it, it usually has built up for a while. So I think it's kind of um, not having a reality check sometimes of like, so, so with that being said, it's like, you're, you're wanting this big picture outcome, but then it's so overwhelming. Cause you're like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like you're wrestling with it because you just want it done, but it's too, it's too big. And so I think the best approach is to, and this is what I have to really do with my clients is we have to make a priority list. Cause even my clients will start zigzag and I'm like, okay, we got to focus because what happens is, is people will start organizing here and then they move here and then they, yeah, yeah, so nothing yeah. ever really gets fully done. And so it's just, I think if you can step back and think about, you know, maybe um, an area that's not working very well for you and maybe how you could fix one area at a time, you know, and starting maybe smaller versus bigger because that snowball approach of kind of getting traction can be really motivating as opposed to like, we're going to get the garage done tonight. And then you get an hour in and you're just like depleted because it's just so overwhelming. So I think it's the being realistic and also not being hard on yourself, you know, cause I feel like some of my clients and moms, they'll get um, hard on themselves. Like, Oh, I'm so mad. I got this way. And it's like, you know, it's, it's life. Life is messy no matter how much we try to not have it be messy. And so give yourself grace, but also be realistic about what, what you can do, what you can improve in your house step-by-step. Yeah, that's really true. I, the zigzag is, is real. That's a struggle. I mean, I, I do that. I mean, it's just like, once I get on a tirade, it's like, Mm -hmm. I see everything at once. And so I'm just like, all of it, it's all going, it's, this is trash, this is trash, you know? And I just want to like, I want to just dump all the drawers out and then I'm, and then I am overwhelmed because I'm like, no, I can't do this, you know? So it's just, it's so hard to know what can I really realistically tackle. And, and it's probably cause I don't ever set out with a priority list. I just am like, you know, a certain area overwhelms me and then that's the place I start, but then that might really not be my priority. So then when I realize, Oh no, actually, you know, I, what I really should be doing is cleaning out my closet and then I'm going to do that. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 we all, we all struggle with it, you know, to one degree or another. So I think just kind of knowing that on the front end and saying, okay, I want to not fall into that as much as I can. And what is my top priority today or this week or whatever your time frame is, you know, and trying 
to focus that time. And again, we're asking where you can build an accountability, like have a friend over to help you go through, you know, a section of your kitchen, or maybe you grab some, some of your children and, you know, you know, kind of maybe find some ways to build in some teamwork because, you know, many hands make light work and can maybe move it along faster than if it was just you doing it too. Yeah, for sure. So is there a right first place to start in terms of priorities, or is this a very personal like decision based on your own family's needs in your house? I think in general, it's very personal in, in, in the sense that you need to kind of know your life and what, what isn't working or what you want to address. But I think it's also important. You mentioned earlier, like emotional things or emotional ties is that those types of decisions, if they're memorabilia or things that are really sentimental to you, those are going to be harder decisions to make in general, because you'll probably go slower and you'll have to kind of read things or whatever it is you're referencing. So if you're looking to really make progress and start somewhere, I would say something that's more of a, like a no brainer, like a, that could even be the junk drawer, depending on what your junk drawer looks like, you know, but picking an area, if you are completely into fashion, your closet may not be a good place to start. Right. But if you're not, that could be a real easy place. So it's just kind of knowing yourself and saying, all right, where could I move things along quickly to start to feel success? So um, I would say like a small closet or a small bathroom can generally go pretty fast as opposed to like I'm doing the kitchen today. You know, it all depends on your house and layout. But, um, you know, I think smaller is generally better or at least even even taking a bigger room if it is your kitchen. And, and I'll even do this, just kind of like take one cupboard a morning like when I'm unloading the dishwasher and just, you know, tackle on, I, I you know, I tack on uh, 10 more minutes and do a cupboard. And it's amazing how, I can work around the kitchen in a week or so if I just do a little bit each day. So kind of thinking about how to break things down or do a start to stop job on a smaller job. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. Breaking it into little bite-sized chunks. Let's see. So a lot of the listeners of Kindled are, you know, moms with kids still at home. A lot of them have young children. I mean, before school age as well. So organization like might sound like, okay, yeah, someday I'll get organized. But I think that's a lie. I think we can somehow, I think we can find an organization that makes sense for our season. I've heard you talk about this on your podcast, but how do we know what is doable? What is reasonable? What, what are reasonable expectations? And then, you know, what makes the biggest difference for us in this season of kind of like insanity? What can make a difference for our sanity when it comes to organization? So I would say first and foremost that um, organization, we need to remember that it, even though there's a time component, as far as you have to invest some time to maybe get and then all stay organized, when you are more organized, you actually will be saving yourself time and money. I mm. see so much excess when it comes to stuff and it's everything you could imagine. And I don't think that people are necessarily like addicted to shopping, but I don't think people are shopping intentionally. So honestly, if you don't have time to be organized at home or take on some projects, the easiest thing you could do today is to streamline your shopping. And what I mean by that, that a general or an easy way to do that is just to shop with a list or shop for what you need. You know what I mean? Versus going to Target and just starting to fill in your cart without having an intention. Because I think that if we bring in less, we have less to organize. So that's just, that's like A. If we do A, honestly, if, if, my, if most of my clients would just shop less, their homes would instantly improve. You know, I mean, I shouldn't mm. say instantly, but you know what I mean? We, um, yeah. as Americans, we have such good deals at our fingertips. And so our clutter, yeah. our ability to acquire clutter, and I'm not trying to use that in a negative way, but excess. Well, it's true though. Know? Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and it's sad to me because I'm seeing people that are just completely worn out from their clutter, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm spending hours with people. I mean, I fill dumpsters with clients. Like it is, it, I'm not talking about just, oh, someone overbought, you know, but we only need so many backup laundry detergents or whatever it is that you're tend to stock up on. Nothing wrong with that, but have a limitation. So I would say that's, that's kind of the A. If you can work on shopping less, that will improve your organization, you know, just on the front end. But then as far as in your home and setting up things, I think that if you remind yourself that if you maintain your home and set up systems, you will make your day-to-day -day life easier. And what I would say to young moms and those that have, you know, full lives, we all have full lives, that if you can get a handle on things like paperwork when it comes to kids stuff and bills, yeah. if you can streamline those things and maybe delegate things between you and your 
your spouse, if there's ways you can set up things now, you'll be so happy in five to 10 years when your kids are older. You know, I yeah. see a lot of challenges with paperwork and artwork and kids stuff and, and not being able to find things, you know? So I think that I would say for moms, that'd be one area to really take seriously. If your kitchen's a little haphazard, that's okay. If you're getting dinner on the table or finding ways to feed your family, then it's okay if your spices are kind of a jumbled mess. But I think paper and some of those things can have a further effect on things if you're not careful. So, Can I ask a follow-up question on that? I think we're going to get into a little bit more room by room, but when it comes to paperwork for your kids and artwork, that's my biggest problem Mm -hmm. because my girls are prolific artists. Like they are literally, I mean, they love doing art. So they're producing, you know, like four or five, 10 pieces of paper a day. And I definitely don't save them all. But, you know, when they come home from school with like a cute little laminated something and it's like, oh, this is sweet. Like mm-hmm. happy Father's Day. Or it's like a, a poem for dad. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm not just going to chuck it and maybe someday I'll get rid of it. I don't know. I just don't know exactly like how to store that. And my only idea so far has been basically like a a half height Tupperware with each of their art. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't, I don't know if that is really going to work for very long because it'll fill up pretty quickly, but (laughs) I wonder if you have any suggestions for that. No, great question. So you know, it is hard because we have different feelings and different sentiments around artwork and kids do tend to bring home a ton, especially in the early years. I will say it does shift. Like once I go to middle school, it's, you know, I mean, and even these days, I think my kids are getting their report cards digitally. So you, you will not be in the paper artwork situation forever. But what I would say, it kind of comes back to, again, setting up a system. So what I would do with my kids, I typically had an area when they were little that I would kind of hang up their, their current stuff, you know, and then I would just kind of rotate that. So that was an easy way to kind of, you know, kind of recycle the one picture that didn't have a lot of meaning or whatever. Yeah. Then you need to have a place. So if you go from posting, they obviously you can't post everything forever. So you need to then have a place, which sounds like you're thinking of a container of some kind. And one thing I've done is like the kind of file box that's worked really well, the file per grade. But then I've also given them some bigger memory boxes to go under their beds because I found there's trophies and uh, not certificates, uh, ribbons, you know, bulkier items or pottery or things that they make that aren't going to necessarily go in just a traditional eight and a half by 11. So for me, I found having kind of more of a paper system for just real typical paper, but then a bigger bin for those kind of all the miscellaneous artwork or the paintings or whatever. So as far as, you know, how much to keep, I think that one thing to keep in mind is when you go to add, you can always do a quick cut kind of inventory, whether that's annually, because you'll find, I think in a couple of years, your sentiment will have shifted a little bit because yeah. you'll see progression yeah. and you're like, why did I keep six of the same, you know, animal they grew mm-hmm. or whatever. So yeah. I think it's okay to kind of keep a lot, I guess for a while, but you have to kind of keep on top of it. So when they are yeah. 18, you're not like, here's your six artwork memory bins because they probably will not appreciate that. Right. So I think, no. you know, kind of having a limit and then just realizing in time it's going to decrease and you can keep filtering through. So, you know, big deal. If you're keeping a lot now, you can kind of keep doing an inventory check as the years go on. Does that help? Okay. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I like, that's good. Cause yeah, there, there are definitely things that, you know, we have soccer medals or like you said, the trophies or little, little, uh, pottery type things they have created or flower pots they've painted. And it's like, I I don't know. I mean, I probably will throw it away in the next few years, but I feel like I shouldn't yet. And so having somewhere to put that in the meantime, that it doesn't feel like it's just under my kitchen sink. You know what I mean? And then it's like, ah, this isn't organized. What is this? Why is this here? Those are the things that frustrate me. Yeah. So I think that's the key is having an organized place to put it so you can then keep it managed. So that's the key. And another thing I was going to mention is your kids will probably in time, I mean, I've allowed my kids when I have an 18 year old, so, you know, they can kind of go through those memory items too and be like, why, why'd you keep this mom? You know? So it's not like they can't have a say down the road. Cause you know, what might be really important to you, they might go, I don't even like this artwork or whatever. So yeah. it'll, it'll keep evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's helpful. So before we go any further into specific like rooms, Another thing that I come across regularly when I am cleaning out any given area is the thought of, I might use this someday. Or it's, if it's like, if it's something that's not being used, it could get, I could get rid of it. I could donate it, but there is that 
the follow-up thought is like, well, what if, you know, there is maybe a scenario or I try and picture a thing or a situation where I might use it. Like, what do you say to people in that spot? Or how do you encourage them to decide like what's really worth keeping and what would be wiser to just rebuy if and when you actually need that thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really tricky because every client kind of has a, you know, their own way of looking at things. And so I try to be really sensitive, but also kind of come alongside them and, and remind them of the practicality. Like there are some things in life that are easy to replace. You know, we don't want to be wasteful, but you know, I, in general, I really see people holding on to way too much. So I guess the one question I would ask is how many times do you think you've gotten rid of something and then had a lot of regret for it? Never. Yeah. Right. I mean, I probably can keep think, I mean, I don't know if I can think, but like maybe like three times I can think yeah. of something. So, you know, and I'll be honest, my kids will say, you get rid of stuff too fast, but they, uh, I generally always try to check with them, but I also, we've had to move like four or five times as a family and that's no joke. And so I just, I don't want to be ruthless, but I, I think that we need to be realistic, you know? And so if you used to be a skier and you haven't skied for 10 years, well, chances are, and it's just an example, when you pick up skiing again, if, and yeah. when you'll probably want a new set of skis because they've changed in 10 years, you know? And so that's kind of a, a exaggerated example, but I think that we, whether it's clothes we used to fit into or what have you, we need to remember if, and when we do want that item again, it probably, we won't have the same desire mm-hmm. for it. And so streamlining down to the things you really use, want and appreciate is cool. Cause I, I think it's just so freeing. I feel like I, I have clients who they'll have stuff that's, you know, hidden in a basement corner or a garage. I'm thinking this really isn't a valued item. Cause you didn't know it was here. It's not being maintained. It's not being used, yes. you know? So if you can kind of be again, and, and this would be a good place where if there's something you're not sure about, bring in a trusted friend who will kind of, <laughs> kind of talk to you and be like, you know, what are you doing right. or whatever, depending on what it is. But sometimes a sounding board can help you. So, but you want the right person, you know, some people can be too, could be too. Sure. Direct, maybe. Yeah. And garage is a great example. Cause I, I mean, just off, you know, the top of my head, I know there are things in the garage that are only in the garage because they weren't important enough to have a space in the house. And my husband's probably mm-hmm. the only one who uses the garage for building stuff and, his tools and all that. And yet it's like, we, why do we not just, you know, why do we not just get rid of it? Cause there's this idea that, Oh, well there must, we have this for a reason, you know, like we have the, whatever. I can't even think of something like worth keeping, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a good indicator to us. Like if it's been at the back of the bathroom cabinet for, you can't remember how many years, I'm pretty sure that you don't need it. Like Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah, that kind of answers the question right there. Yeah. It's, it's not being used. I think, and I think one of the challenges though, is that when we do have stuff, like you mentioned in the garage, even if you're not using it, it still takes some time and energy to go get rid of it, whether you need to sell it on Craigslist or drop it off somewhere. And so that is the other stumbling block is we'll, you know, want to tackle something, but there's usually time associated and we don't always want to put the time in or realize how much time it will take, you know, because it just seems like I've just found in life, everything seems to take a little bit longer than you might think, pretty, you know, because there's just hiccups. always, yeah. Like when you're selling always stuff, does. like I use Facebook marketplace a lot to sell stuff, yeah. you know, you do have to decide what dollar amount is worth it to you because yeah, you could probably sell this thing for $5, but is that worth the 30 minutes you're going to spend communicating with 20 people who are like, is this still available? Is this still available? And then are like, where do you meet? And I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I don't meet anywhere for $5. You can do pork pickup. Like I will not be meeting you for $5. No, but yeah. Pick your battles. I've had people (laughs) be like an hour away from me and want to meet for like a $20 item. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not driving one hour round round trip to make 20 bucks. Like I'm just, that's crazy. Like I would spend as much in gas. It just doesn't yeah. That oh my gosh. But it, but we can get into yeah. those like, well, you know, now I can't get rid of it cause I couldn't sell it. And now I'll just, I'll just stick mm-hmm. it down here, you know, and then it lives there forever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people sometimes get um, stuck on the fact that, that they've paid something for something, yes. you know, so they'll remember like, you know, whatever the dollar amount was. And while I understand that completely, we have to remember that that was a previous yeah. time the money has been spent. So if you still want to value the item and use it, keep it. But if there's no value to yeah. the item, you know, unless you can, you know, sell it easily and it's worth your time, 
move the value onto someone else that will value it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, you have to kind of tell yourself that in the sense that by freeing up your space, you're going to free up your energy too, you know? And in reality, the money was spent. Like we need to like, at some point kind of just come to terms with that and be a good steward of, you know, what, of our time in front of us and and where we go forward. And again, going back to intentionally shopping. I think that that might be like one of the biggest takeaways for me is, you know, especially in the season of being a young mom and you're going through so many different diaper bags and you try out this backpack and you didn't like it. And then you bought a different bag and that one fell apart. And, you know, it's like, we've gotten, we've gotten so many different things in different years or for different children, or you've got a couple different carrier options or a couple different strollers, whatever it might be. And it's like one of this is just a personal example, but I do have a a diaper bag that I got with my first daughter, who's now five. I think I spent $200 on it which, you know, that's an expensive diaper bag, but it was like top of the line at the time. And now I've had that for sale on Facebook marketplace for months at $30 and I cannot get a single person to buy it. And it's like, honestly, at this point, I just give it away to the thrift store. Someone will take it. It'll be great. It's a little, it's just a little rough. Like it's a little stained and sure. anyway, it's just like, those are the things where that is what, it, that's what drains energy from me when I think about selling things like that. Cause it's like, it was $200. I can't get even $25. And it's like, I just need to let it go. Like yeah. I need to stop acting like yeah. that $25 is really going to make me happy or something. You know, it's just, it's right. not. Yeah. And it's okay to be disappointed, but you just have to <laughs> kind of remind yourself like in the big picture, like move on. Yeah. Cause you're now wasting energy yeah. on it, which, yeah. you know, and maybe some mom that, you know, finds it at a thrift store is going to be a thrill. I mean, that's what I like to think about. I mean, we obviously don't know where our things go or whatever, but like, it's cool to think about maybe someone else will really, really appreciate yeah. this. And I can not have to think about it right. anymore. You know, again, when, right. When, right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That, it's almost like the, I just have to make the decision to be done. Like you really mm-hmm. do have to decide because yes. otherwise it just feels like this thing that is still a burden. I, I got to sell this. I got to sell this. And it's like, maybe I don't, yeah. maybe I just need to get rid of it. So, uh, I wanted to ask you a a little bit on high traffic rooms for us as women, as moms, I mean, we're in every room of the house, but the ones that can tend to feel maybe the most overwhelming for us, what are, what do you find? Because you talk to a lot more women than I do as far as their homes. What do you find are the most overwhelming rooms for them and where do you encourage them to start? And then can we kind of go through like your tips for those rooms? Sure. Yeah. Let me think of kind of maybe the top three. I would say definitely, I mean, I would say kitchen, but I'm going to say pantry because I think that the pantry is, and it could be whatever your pantry looks like if it's a cupboard or an actual walk-in, but you know, that is a, an ebb and flow type of space. Like we're shopping and we're putting food in there and we're taking food out. And I find that that is definitely a top one. And then with moms with kids, I think toys, I would say actually toys and clothes would probably be at the top. And then maybe even the artwork like we we already talked about. And then really the third, what I would say, just because I work with moms with all kinds of, you know, family dynamics is that I think paper is what I do see like home office paper, just being, you know, not, not having a system. And I think what happens is, is that people, they don't create a system and then years go by and it's just become, you know, this, this, this really overwhelming mess. So, so those would be the three. Do you want me to then touch on? the different tips or let's start with, yeah, the pantry. So what I would say with pantry is that again, shop intentionally. So from a time management standpoint, if you can shop regularly, whether that's by, you know, um, twice a week or once a week or whatever your rotation is, but avoid the, avoid the habit of like going to the store, like every other day, that's not a time thief. And also you're probably going to buy more than you need because you're not really like having a plan necessarily. So you can narrow down kind of when you shop and have a little bit more of a direction. And, you know, these days there's so many options with grocery delivery and different things. I'm still kind of old school. I haven't shopped with kids forever. Even when my kids were younger, that was kind of my rule. I'm like, I don't shop with kids because you know, with three, I had three in five years. So like they were hanging off. I had one kid pull over a cart one time, you know, you're just like, this is not working. So, you know, I think if you can, if you can shop with kids or find a way to do it with the online options, do that. But so start with that, that part of definitely, you know, menu planning, however, that, whatever that looks like to you as much as you can and shop with a, with an intentional list. And then this is, this is probably, I just tell this to every client that I work with in a kitchen or a pantry, you have to build in some margin when the groceries come home, however they get there, 
you need to build in some time to adequately put them away and do a little refresh. This does not need to take like an hour, but I mean, I honestly, I've been grocery shopping, I feel like forever. And I feel like it is one of the things that I I like it. And then I hate it at the same time (laughs) because it's just so much, it can take me so much time because I mean, I'm feeding three teenagers now. It's a whole situation, but I faithfully make myself put everything away, decant, get rid of packaging, you know, rotate things. I mean, I'm not like strict about it, but I'm, I do that weekly. And that is the reason that our pantry and fridge stay organized, you know, loosely organized because I have five people getting into things. And then it also helps me if I do that refresh every week, it makes menu planning and shopping that much easier because I see this all the time with my clients. People have duplicates and triplicates and things that they don't even know they have. And so if you know, you know what your quantities are, it's going to make all of the other parts easier. So that'd be my pantry tips. I mean, as far as how to organize the pantry and storage options, it's really personal as far as what you think is going to improve your space. Most people do not need more organizing um, bins and baskets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most people just need to like streamline their stuff and actually kind of refresh it. So, you know, start there. And again, work at a section at a time. Don't, don't think I'm going to tackle the pantry when you only have 20 minutes, you might need to like break it down. And then um, moving on to kids. So let's just talk about toys because that's kind of probably a hot, a hot topic for most moms. Again, I'm going to feel like a broken record. What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> Have less yeah, yeah, toys, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's not necessarily a magic number, but it's knowing which, you know, because different kids have different preferences. So knowing which toys they really play with, creating some containment for them. One of my favorite things for um, boy organization that I did with my kids is I took a dresser that had, it had, it had like nine drawers, I feel like. And I could then just do one drawer with some doll stuff and one drawer was the kitchen toys or, you know, I had a drawer for Legos. And so it won, like you're mentioning with your shoes, it looked put away when the drawers were all shut. And I didn't really care if things got mismatched, but it basically allowed me to shut it off. And then when we wanted to do a reboot, it was real easy to put everything back into the drawer. So find ways to contain the toys. Like everything, the less toys you give your kids, not that they shouldn't have toys, but if you streamline and minimize you'll minimize cleanup effort and, you know, all the extra pieces. So did you have a question before I go on? Well, talk and talk. This might not really have a clear cut answer, but I'm, yeah. I know a lot of us are dealing with the tiny little plastic things like the littlest pet shop mm-hmm. and Shopkins and, you know, little people that go to the little house, whatever little, I think it's called little people, right? <laughs> yeah. It's oh my people. gosh. <laughs> like there's just so many. And so I don't know. I mean, Sometimes I will go through and like separate out. Okay, here's the Shopkins. Here's, but it's just mm-hmm. completely vain because they, she yeah. dumps them all together and plays with them all at once. Mm-hmm. So do you think mm-hmm. just like having one bucket or container or something like that for the tiny plastic things that they hang, that they want in their room or in their toy area? Like, how do you recommend dealing with that? Mm-hmm. So it, it would depend on how often they're playing. I mean, if they're playing with those particular things daily, then you're obviously going to, I would maybe just kind of relax and just maybe yeah. make a container for like all the things if that works, because if it's not important to them to have it divided, then yeah. I mean, I guess it's fine. Right. But on that note, what I would say is that I am a big advocate of, I don't want to say hiding, but I think, you know, moving things up high or out of sight is important because for example, I always did that with Play-Doh yes. and paint oh and like even, even little, little um, themes like you're talking about, like if there was a set of something mm-hmm. that yeah, maybe they enjoyed playing with, but it wasn't a daily activity. And I didn't, cause I was always thinking about too, like when you have other kids over and things mm-hmm. all get torn apart. So again, if you can have a closet or an area where you kind of tuck a bunch of stuff yeah. away, not to, not to mean that they're not going to play with those, but then it gives you a little bit of like oh, referee yeah. ability to then kind of minimize how much is taken out at yeah. once because um, back to the kindergarten classroom, I mean, I think that's how they do a lot of things. They pull out like, here's our activity for this and here's that. And I think if we think about that in our homes, it's not necessarily being rigid. It's just saying we're going to have some guidelines yeah. because, and I think for kids, if they walk into a playroom where every toy is just everywhere, mm-hmm. it, they don't even know where to start sometimes. And so, you know, I think if they play with things daily, then you'll want to maybe relax on some of those things and keep it easy for them to contain it. But then for all other things or in like games, you know, all the need pe- to be I'm away like, from children yeah. because I mean, the pieces get yeah. all mixed together Hi. or lost or they like my daughter will put the yeah. little, you know, the fishing game with the fish in her backpack and then nobody can play the fishing game. So it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's just like giving yourself permission and going like, okay, 
they don't need to be able to touch every single thing at their whim. It's not that I'm not going to let them do it, but I need to know when we are playing shoots and ladders and when we're done so that I can put the pieces where they go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like time and place. Like there's a time and place for that activity, but that's not 24 right. seven. And that reminded me, I had a client who homeschooled four kids and she had some armoires with a lot of the homeschool supplies. So basically things that weren't as like toy related and I encourage her so I put some sort of little lock or something on it, which sounds kind of, um, you know, that I don't know, <laughs> again, rigid or something, but, but I said, when you have a basement full of kids over, you don't want them getting into all the homeschool no. stuff, you know? So again, if you can contain some of the chaos and think of it as like more of a checkout system, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really that's going to rotate toys and give your kids more kind of a freshness, you know, if they see everything all the time, it doesn't really, you know, their creativity is almost stifled because they can't focus. Yeah, on totally. Stuff. That's great. Yeah. I was just thinking I have this, like, um, you, you've seen those, you know, eight by two Ikea square cubby cube things where you have the little sliders and there's like, or maybe not eight, I don't know, four wide by Mm -hmm. two high. So there's eight total squares. I have that right now, like oriented horizontally, but I think maybe I need to switch it vertically. So then some of the things they can't get into without help. I'd actually solve like a lot of my problems. Yeah. And you don't have to make an announcement. It's just like, oh, mommy's just putting the decorating. Oh, you need help? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of being like strategic versus just, I think that's the, that's the, the point of organizing. It's just having some strategy versus mm. just like, why is this so yeah. hard? You know? So, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's not their fault. Like their children, they don't know, they don't understand, you know, how to no, organize no. things or keep all. They're, they're not trying to do anything. Right. right. Yeah. That's really helpful. Okay. So we covered pantry toys. Yeah. And then the third, which I kind of touched on before is paper and home office. And, and, you know, cause a lot of people work from home these days or they're managing, um, you know, even though we're so digital, there's just still a lot of paper. And so that's the area that I see a lot of people struggling with. And I think because it's, there's a reality that's a bit of a boring topic, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't like, I know what I want to do on Friday night is go through my yeah. paper, but you know, an easy and easy way to, to get ahead with paper is to go as digital as you can you know, kind of set up things as digitally. That's, that's just a huge way to, to move things. And then to also recognize that there's just so much paper we don't need to be keeping, you know? So, and I actually have a, um, a sheet that kind of gives guidelines because I think a lot of people think they have to keep every utility bill and every, you know, and there's obviously things we do need Mm -hmm. to keep, but it's not as much as most people think. And so I think that if people could get a handle on their paperwork, it's just, it's, it's, it's a game changer because you can feel like when you walk in with the mail, you know, where to, where to put things. And when you go to file things away, there's a system and it doesn't have to be overly complicated, but it does take time to set it up. But once you have it set up again, it will save you time and even money and all those. Would you say everyone needs to have a file cabinet of some sort? Like even just if it's like a too high drawer, file drawer. I mean, yes and no. It depends on, you know, these days, sometimes you get your mortgage documents on a thumb drive and, you know, and and a lot of people are fans of scanning things Mm -hmm. in. I've had some challenges with like computers crashing. So I'm a little leery. I know you can have backup and backup. So it would just depend on where your, where your comfort level is with digital options, but probably a small form of some file Mm -hmm. system is probably necessary in the sense that I feel like there's always some paper that's active. In other words, like it's the the field trip form or the flyer you need to keep for an event or, you know, some paper that you kind of need to hold on temporarily. So maybe you just have a more of a temporary filing system or a to-do file or yeah. whatever, but you know, it will just depend on kind of how you, how you organize paperwork or how you prefer to. But um, I would just say smaller. Nobody, nobody these days needs to have like a four drawer right. file cabinet unless you are doing something that would require that, you know, I mean, in general for home ownership, you know, I mean, if it's work related, mm-hmm. maybe, but home ownership shouldn't require a whole lot. Yeah. So. You need like yeah. your, you know, your kid's birth certificate or the hospital, like the com- confirmation letter, if you're taking them flying and they're under two or whatever, you know, just those right. types of things yeah. that yeah. you're like, oh yeah, where mm-hmm. is that? Or, you know, yeah, you need to have an yeah, actual and- spot. Yeah. One thing I just thought of, I keep a, um, before we moved overseas, they called it a grab and go notebook. And I had never really created that one 
or something like that specifically. But so in that I keep social security cards, birth certificates, immunization records. So if we were to have something happen at the house and we had to leave quickly, that's, it's called our home notebook. And like, it's only just a, you know, one inch notebook. That's what I would grab because that would be the stuff that would be the hardest to replace. So that could be an easy place. If someone's been like, oh, my paperwork is out of control. Start by just creating a a home or a notebook that has the critical things Mm -hmm. in it. And it could still go in a file drawer, but having something, or it could even just be a loose file, but having a place for those really critical things, again, you don't need your utility bills probably, you know, there's so much, so much paperwork that's irrelevant, but there is paperwork that, you know, whether it's insurance paperwork, or whatever, there's things you're going to want, want to be able to grab quickly, you know, in, in, in that sort yeah. of situation. And also it's easy, like my kids, they're working now, like they'll be like, oh, I need my social security card. And they, they know where to right. find it. Like they can come in and grab it. So it's almost so made it easier as a family to know where things are. Yeah, that's great. That's a good idea. So clothes, (laughs) it's funny. I'm not a big clothes person, so it's easier for me to talk about clothes because it's it's not that I don't like fashion, but it's just never been my thing. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm happy with Target Mm t-shirts. So um, this one's, (laughs) so, <laughs> I've seen but, some um, good stuff come yeah, out, of, think, out of Costco. Yeah. I mean, Costco actually, they've got some good stuff there. No, I think that what I, there's a, there's a statistic that says, you know, we wear 20% of our clothes, 80% yeah. of the time. So, I mean, that's probably a little extreme, but if you uh-huh. think about it, probably like I'm wearing my jean cutoff shorts right now. I love wearing these, yeah. right? Like, you know, you have certain things that you just grab and you wear on a daily basis, you know, so keeping that in mind, yes, you'll always need some clothes for formal or interviews or whatever your, you know, different stages of life require. But, um, I'm an advocate of, I've kind of gone to a relaxed capsule capsule wardrobe and not the sense that I'm, again, I'm not really concerned about the numbers of pieces per se, but it was really interesting when I started doing it to do a true inventory and go, Hmm, why do I have, you know, this many t-shirts or whatever? And the one thing I, the, my one big takeaway from really kind of evaluating my wardrobe more closely was that I was guilty of not buying things to make outfits. Mm. So that's one thing I would say is that, again, going back to shopping intentionally, if you have a pair of jeans you bought and you love them, but you don't have the right shoe to go with them or the right shirt, cause you know how it all matters. Like if you're doing skinny yeah. or bootleg. I mean, there's so many very, I mean, women do not have it easy, but if we're just buying random pieces, we're adding to the chaos in our closet because things aren't necessarily creating outfits, you know? So uh, another example, I've gone to mostly just wearing like a dress versus having skirts. Cause to me, like skirts and shirts were a whole nother thing as far as having the right fit top and bottom. And that's just me. But so in other words, I would say really think about how you, ha- how you need to dress. And I've broken my closet into kind of different areas. Like I have a, a big area for fitness because that's what I wear a lot of the time. I have kind of my more mom everyday clothes. And then I have more my work clothes. Like if I'm speaking or doing things more mm-hmm. formally, and then I have my wardrobe from when I do organizing. So kind of knowing what are your three to four main types of things you dress for, and then making as many outfits as you can thinking of like, we don't want to dress like in uniform style, but really having a school uniform or having a uniform for work is easy, right? It takes the the guesswork out. So, you know, I think just looking at your closet as a whole and thinking like, okay, going back to like, are there clothes that I'm holding on to that I don't ever wear Mm -hmm. again? You know, I always share the the tip of turning your hangers backwards. So you can do that. Have you heard that? So you just flip them around and then maybe set a reminder on your phone for six months out or a year, depending on what, how long you want to wait. And then you can really see which clothes you wore And which ones you weren't, you know, cause I think science again, will think you're, you know, you're wearing certain things yeah, and they're just not. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. They're just yeah, sitting well, there. You said uniform. And I was they- like, uh, you mean like leggings and you know, a t-shirt every day? Because I think a lot of moms, you know, yeah. at least when it's not summer, mm-hmm. I mean, swap yeah. the leggings for athletic shorts, mm-hmm. but it's like, I mean, my fitness and my mom section are really similar because that's pretty much you know, the mom yeah. uniform with little kids. You, you need to right. be ready to run a marathon at any point. Yes. You're ready for all things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's nice to, to separate it out by kind of like, what does your life look like? What do you need? Because yeah, I mean, there was a point I got rid of my formal corporate clothes years ago, but there was a point where I had to go, I don't have a corporate job anymore. Why do I have slacks? I don't wear slacks. I will never wear slacks again. You know, as long as I do not have a corporate job and when I do, I will need a different size. So I'm just going to get rid of these. And it was, Mm -hmm. it's great, you know, not to have the things that you're not actually wearing. 
Oh yeah. And I think if you wanted to really do a serious closet overhaul or someone wanted to have a friend over and like, kind of make it fun, you know, do, I remember one time I had my sister come over years ago and we, she made me try on like every single thing and it's exhausting, but you go, but man, it makes the decision-making a lot easier. I shouldn't say I tried on every single thing, but you know, I was really like doing that like deep inventory. And I think that that can really open your eyes, you know, and again, having someone, she was able to kind of point out, okay, you really gravitate towards these certain yeah. colors. You like this type of style. Cause I've realized for me, for example, I do not like blouses or whatever you call anything with like a cuff or like a uh-huh. collar. No, I don't like this. Like, I mean, I think I bought them for yeah. years and I'm like, and even recently my daughter gave me an old denim one that I thought was kind of cute. Like I wore it for like half a day. I was like, this is just making me irritated, <laughs> you know? And so it's just saying like, why am I keeping this? And a really easy tip is to keep a donation, whether it's a basket or laundry basket or sack in your closet. And every time you put on something that like, cause you know, you'll wash something and it shrinks a little bit, or you have something that just twists on you, or you're always pulling on it. You know, if you put it on and you're like reminded of how much you don't like wearing it, like don't wear it that day and feel free to yeah. donate it, you know? So just giving yourself some permission. And, and, you know, if you, if people streamline how many clothes they have, they're going to save time and energy with laundry yes. and keeping mm-hmm. up with all the that, pain of you know? my existence. Yeah. Yeah. The, the donation bucket or bag or whatever in your closet is a great idea because I am finding I, if I don't have somewhere to put those things, they just stay on my bedroom floor, like in the corner for weeks. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just Mm kind of like, Oh, you know, there's my husband's swimsuit that he says doesn't fit him anymore. I'm just going to toss it there. And so it's like having somewhere to put those things in the interim between actually donating them or getting rid of, you know, giving them away or whatever is so helpful to helping you not feel like your house is just torn apart or completely unorganized. Exactly. Yeah. And you could even do it. And I was going to say, you can also put a bin or something up high in your children's closets, because if it's same thing, if you're finding that when they're getting dressed, because kids usually have preferences too, for how things fit or how they like things, you know? And I would often, when I, when I still did my kids laundry, I would, when I was folding laundry, kind of do some assessments like, okay, this one has a stain or this one has a hole. And so I think it's, again, it's that kind of like back to the pantry. Think of your closet as an ongoing maintenance area too, in the sense, like nothing to do weekly, but you know, don't just keep bringing in clothes and never rotating through or getting rid of things. so. So helpful. Morgan, I really appreciate you just sharing your tips with us. I think people are hopefully have been cleaning while they're listening, (laughs) but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about when we can expect your book, where we, where people can find you and follow you and stay up to date with all that. Yes. Okay. So my book, Take Back Your Time is coming out August 20th and on my website, morganizewithme.com, I have a book page and that shows you all the places you can order and there's pre-order gifts that are available between now and August 20th. And I'm excited to share that it is going to be at select Target stores. So that is super fun. So as they're shopping those dollar bins for all that junk. No, yes. (laughs) No, no, no. I I talk to mom's groups and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Go buy the book. Don't go buy the dollar bins. Exactly. Yeah. And then I'm on um, social Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Morganize with me. So I'd love for people to hang out with me there. Um, I just like to give encouragement. My, my tagline is I want to inspire intentionality. So that's my, my yeah. heartbeat for people. Well, I think, I think you're doing an awesome job and people can just like, honestly go check out your Instagram for beautiful photos. I know you, you know, you're all about function and, and practicality, but there's also, it's just like, so nice to see the organization. It's like not necessarily yeah. my pantry, but it is, uh, it is inspirational. Yeah. So that's good. And hopefully gives us yeah. a take. Oh, well, thank you. And I really do. Yeah. I really do enjoy the aesthetic side to it. And there's some clients that's really important, yeah. but I also, I have several clients or lots of them that that's not as important. They just want yeah. functionality. So again, like I would encourage moms and women listening that, you know, Pinterest and all these inspiration things are good. They're fine, but know your own style. And here's a fun fact I share. I never make my bed. Hmm. So like, whatever, like that's just my thing because it doesn't matter to me. So it's okay to have areas in your life that are less structured or less put together or however you define it. And so making my bed has just, the only time I made our bed when we were married is when we had a a master on the main floor and then every other house it's up and away. And so I just don't see it. So, and I've just been like, cool, out of sight, out of mind, you know, so give yourself grace and permission to decide what things will make your home and life function better. And then let the rest go. Like we can't have it all aesthetically pretty, you know, if certain areas you want to look pretty, you know, I'm, I'm very particular about my main floor kind of 
looking somewhat tidy, but upstairs it's a hot mess. Yeah. You know, we have kids, we have teenagers. So grace, grace is an important yeah. thing. Oh yeah. That's management. good. That's a good note to end on. Thank you so much, Morgan. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to, um, enter into the giveaway on Instagram for Morgan's new book, uh, go check out my page at hayleywilliams.kindled and find the post with the image of her book on it. Uh, you will, you will see that as, as a recent post, if not the most recent, depending on when you're listening to this episode, but, um, yeah, go check that out and you can enter on Instagram. Um, I do a lot of fun giveaways over there. That's where I hang out the most. I will certainly be less active on Facebook in 2020 because we all know election years and Facebook do not go well together. So um, definitely come find me on Instagram and let's be friends over there. Okay, until next week, I hope you guys have an awesome week uh, cleaning up your houses, kind of just getting reorganized and prepared for the new year. And I hope you continue to remember um, the God who goes before you and who is fighting your battles for you. Amen. See you guys next week.